guys, welcome to the real word. We're just going to talk facts. <laughs> What's up, y'all? Welcome to the real word. This is season four, episode 27. This is the last episode. Yep, the last episode of the season. So shout out to everybody who's been watching. Shout out to everybody who's been supporting. Shout out to everyone that, you know, that cared, that came out and showed love. Um, especially last week. Well, what happened last week, Kamel? Well, this week, technically, we could say. When we was giving out toys to the kids? Yeah, man. I mean, I was Santa Claus a little with a suit. <laughs> <laughs> How was that experience, though, giving out toys to the kids in Brownsville, Brooklyn? Because you know it's Brownsville. You know a lot of people act funny when it comes to that neighborhood, you know, so. It's hard. You know, I ain't going to talk about where we're from in the sense of it's kind of like you kind of see growth in yourself where you're going to look at these strangers' faces, you know, and they're kind of like, who are these guys? Who they think they are? Yeah, <laughs> 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 they are just giving, they're giving toys away. Like, people walk by and was like, it's free? Really? Like, it's giving, like, they were shocked. So it was like, I'm like, yeah, it's just, we didn't do nothing really special. All we did was kind of just something out the ordinary for just, a lot of people. And for us, special. though, yeah. Oh, you think so? Very special. Oh, yeah, who is this? We have a special <laughs> guest. You can introduce yourself. I think this is Patrice, right? Yes, Patrice Bachi. Oh, she, she got a little head twirl. Tell people a little bit about yourself, Patrice. That's so, right. whatever. Okay, so I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah, shout out to Brooklyn. Yes, wait, wait. Yes. Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> We to, we do need <laughs> yeah, put together a little birthday party, I mean, a wedding, or even a gala. I'm your girl. You probably could have helped us with the toy drive. <laughs> yes, yeah. probably. Yeah. We could capitalize on all of the past events. Shout out to everybody that's been donating. Um, our website is www.therealwordministriesinc.org. That's therealwordministriesinc.org. They've been doing their thing. Um, man. we also verified on GoFundMe at the Real Word Ministries Inc. Um, we also real on Instagram, <laughs> real <laughs> the Real World Ministries Inc. This ain't Instagram. a sell, this ain't a gimmick. <laughs> and you know, so shout to everyone that's been supporting. Shout to everybody that's been donating. Shout to everyone that just has helped us to get this far. You know, um, we thank all of you. And if it wasn't for your support and for you not only watching the show and contributing um, to the company and helping us to do everything that we we would not have gotten this far. So thank you. It's been a great year. Um, we was published in a newspaper for the Turkey Drive. Um, oh, yeah? You got a plaque. You got a plaque for the Turkey Drive. You on there like the hood like this, like Robin Hood. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <facts>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We also have a couple awards coming in 2020. So shout out to Schwab's Media Group. Um, we're receiving a citation um, for the work that we've done from um, the Brooklyn Borough President's Office, and we're also receiving um, a Kings of Kings Award as well. So that's great things, and we know that there's way more to come. So as we progress, we just ask you to keep us in your prayers, and we ask you for your con we thank you for your continued support, and we ask that you continue to support. Um, the link is being is going to be in the description for you to donate. Um, that's www.therealworldministriesinc.org. 
the real word ministries inc dot org and also on GoFundMe the real word ministries inc. I gotta say, I like that you always keep the prayers and you know the Christianity and the religious part in it. Because I, mean, I wouldn't say it's Christianity and prayer, but I feel like this whole company was based upon faith. You know, yeah. I feel like we built the following for the cup. Well, the following was built from just having real talk on Facebook, you know, talking to a wall, not thinking that the world would listen. Yeah. And <laughs> even when no one pressed the like button or commented, people would always... It wasn't like made-up stories or nothing like that. We was just really just talking about life. Yeah, facts. <laughs> and the fact that so much people gravitated towards that, you know, and there'll be times when people could tell me verbatim what it was that I wrote on Facebook, and I was like, how'd you know that? They was like, because I read your post all the time. I said, yeah, but you never comment. Like, yeah, a lot of people don't. <laughs> yeah, they just watch. watch. <laughs> and then I used to make the little short videos in my bedroom. And then, you know, I eventually linked up with um, Sandra Camo, that's unfortunately no longer with us. Um, and then we started the show. And I mean, he ain't passed away, bro. <laughs> like, dang. What he say? Funerals don't count. Spread love now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as in, like, he's no longer with the company. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that... And then, you know, preaching in churches and things of that nature and just having a Facebook Live show turned into having a cable television show, which ended up us creating a not-for-profit charity, which led to us getting these awards and, you know, working with all these big names now, you know, it's something that we would have never imagined when we first started. And I like that it, we kept it in the family in a sense of we're not trying to poison the family. Like We're trying to really do the things we're saying. We're trying to really tell y'all the truth in the aspect of like this is not for entertainment purposes but it can be entertaining because we have some entertaining days of course <laughs> but we're trying to raise everybody's game or focus to stay on the same wavelength like we got to stay together we have to stay what what was that episode we did um love law and, and business. business yeah like we got to stay on that path because since kids what <laughs> it's like I feel like I'm raising the myself in a way like that was better so it's like I gotta you kind of have to talk <laughs> yeah, I think I think when we display our faults and our accomplishments publicly then it allows us to be human which makes other people comfortable with being human as well facts yeah. facts shout to Eric Jean Baptiste that watches us on the check-in every single week since day one shout that's out a, to this brother man that's a day one man. he said my goodness you guys have gone far capital f-a-r um shout out to andrew john he said yo i worked with her on wall street he's saying that he know you <laughs> <laughs> you know he was famous now you famous <laughs> so shout out to andrew john he's been on the show as well um, he said, "Small world, yes, sir, it is." Patrice, you popular. You gotta, you know, wow. we gotta give you a code name or something. Like <laughs> after 110 episodes, they're gonna know each other. Just be like, "All right, Pat." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout to everyone that's watching. Shout to everyone on the check-in. Shout to everybody that's been supporting. Um, shout to the secret admirers and stalkers too. You know, oh. you guys help. You got some crushes. He said, "Tell Jeff, I said, what up." <laughs> So shout out to Hello. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> he knows the husband too. That's family, huh? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, nah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Small world for real, for real. Oh man. So so Facebook Patrice is real people, man. Yeah. 
So Patrice, um, tell the people a little bit about how you got into the business that you're in and why do you feel like it's important working in a nonprofit sector and you know helping people to, I would say, organize their businesses. So I started off as um, just getting into events um, and managing volunteers. And I think the last couple of agencies that I um, actually worked with kind of helped me into the position I'm in currently. So I'm a consultant for one of my agencies um, that's in Lower Manhattan is Exponents or so. Um, and I'm the fundraising and events started off as the fundraising and events manager helping with their fundraising initiative and just thought you know after putting together two galas uh see i wanted yeah. to throw a gala <laughs> event that's when everyone dressed up looking sharp oh, yes. it's so we're gonna have to do one next year bro oh, yeah. we're gonna have it's to do patrice one. is here with us we yeah. just <laughs> and pop bottles show them show them what black excellence really is that diddy type of yeah. party man <laughs> And I want every single guest that's been on the show to pop out. If every single guest in there pop out and bring at least one other person, we're going to have over 200 people even, in the room. We don't even need them to bring other people because I feel like we, if we promote that type of theme, people are just going to want to come just to come, you know? Facts, facts. It's a good time for a great cause. Mm -hmm. And it's the real word time. Time to talk only real good things. You know? Bring that checkbook. <laughs> talk to me nice. <laughs> really from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead, Pachi. Sorry. You know, so I've been putting on to you know anything from small to big events of like workshops. They're like putting on trainings um, and cocktail parties and uh, like I mentioned, a gala, a couple of galas under my belt. So mm -hmm. I I think having to work with small agencies um, and large agencies. I really love working with smaller agencies. agencies. Starting out, figuring Why? things out. Um, because I think it's a great way to like make a bigger impact. Because I've noticed when working with larger agencies, they do a great job or, or so. Um, but me, for my work, even though, yes, there's staff and funding and larger funding so I'm able to be more flexible but with a smaller agency I could take on bigger challenges and put myself out saying. there and whatnot. I guess what you're saying. So it's yeah. it's it's more of a challenge I guess. Yes. Uh, you you're a girl that likes competition. Right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> see? <laughs> I see. I like a good challenge. I feel like that I, I recently started getting back to basketball because it's a sport that me and my dad like to play. Yeah. My dad always likes basketball even till he's 50 years old I had to play him like two months ago in Jamaica. Put on the dirt road. You guys It was concrete, but you know, it was flat. It was flatter in New York streets, I would say. So it was flat, and it was just backyard country basketball. Like, wow. and I'm getting fouled. <laughs> but in sense of like, you do it for you know, the love of being able to push yourself. You know. Yeah. Be like instead of taking on some easy task, let me yes. take on a big one and accomplish something yes. great. Wow. So I like that. So in the sense of that's the same thing with basketball. Everyone's trying to be a great teammate, a great shooter. You know, just trying to be great at what you're doing. <laughs> so I, this you're a real one, Patrice. This <laughs> is you're a real one. So speaking of that, right? Greatness. 
out of all the episodes that you've been on this season, come out, which one stuck out the most to you? Or which guest stuck out the most to you? I say Freedance, AJ, episodes with Pastor Camone. <laughs> Every episodes with um the Fabrice. Pro- Don't forget about Fabrice. Fabrice. Oh, that was a <laughs> the one. Fabrice with the glasses. You know, he out there EMT. Yeah. I rem- Girlin. Girlin block, was block interesting. Story. That was interesting. That was just Girlin's funny guy. You know, he's a comedian. Yeah. So he really re- he lives up to that. <laughs> Ironically. <laughs> Growing up, he was the least funny guy, but now he's a comedian. It's funny how the world works. Co- Girl, I was a coach when we was like 16. Yeah. He was coaching. I remember he was always the, like, what is he, two years older than us? But Gerland was like, if you're going to throw the football, man, you got to make sure you put your wrist in it at 18 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Gerland was like an old soul forever, and yeah. now he's, you know, Making jokes about it. <laughs> What's your fondest memory from your childhood, Patrice? Oh, my fondest. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to give her like an age range, you know. Because we share childhood. Kamel and I, we grew up together yeah. in the same neighborhood. So basically, our childhood and most of our adulthood was spent yeah. together. So we want to hear about you. Like, how was it growing up in the streets of Flatbush, like in that neighborhood? That push wasn't that bad. It Come wasn't. <laughs> 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 nah, it's, it was worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> no. well, I like Flatbush. I'm from Flatbush, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the most part, I kept trying to stay out of them, first off. Um, <laughs> I was always so busy. So busy. Did music. I did basketball. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Uh, went from basketball to steel drum. You have a steel drum, right? I do have a steel drum right now. That's more like display. Okay. <laughs> Home decor. Okay. That's what, that's what it I is. Feel you. That's, <laughs> it. that's like this. That's my little trophy, you know. <laughs> so, um, I've always kept it busy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to stay out of trouble for the most part. But it's changed a lot. Because I've always lived in Flatbush and went to the Bronx and came back. Mm. So... So how was that as a culture shock? What was the biggest difference between the Bronx and... But you used to live closer to Gun Hill Road, so you lived on, like, the West Indian part of yes. of the Bronx, not, not the Spanish part. That's, like, lower so, south. Yeah, that was... So, yes, I... Um, we could take I it off, bro. I don't think it was, like, a cultural... Sh- sh- um, Hot. No, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was much of a culture shock. Mm-hmm. I actually felt like we kind of... It was a smooth transition... Uh, for the most part, because I guess Gun Hill Road. Yeah. All the Jamaicans live in Gun Hill Road. Why you guys say Jamaicans, man? You know, I'm about but, to bring my flag in here. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? What was different is everything was spaced out, spread out. You, if you live in the Bronx, you have to have a car. But I think oh, it okay. depends on some parts of the Bronx. Yeah. Really? Yeah, oh, okay. I felt like. Okay. Actually, you're right. I needed a car to. For the most part, stay home. I don't, Sage lives in the Bronx. Where he lives is like 160 something. I think they're like a different type of area where yeah. like corner stores are far apart. Yeah, further north and south is very different in the Bronx, you yeah. know. It is. And 
And it was much quieter, too. Yeah, it is but much quieter. you know what? There it's was a culture shock when I came back. Mm. When I moved back into, you know, Brooklyn and... Gentrification? <sighs> it's a real you thing. I like this, and some people are like... Just say you it. Know, it's the real word. I actually like it. Oh, okay. So some people it do. It feels safer. Our, <laughs> safer <laughs> um and it makes the neighborhood better cleaner you know? actually better I don't as in you know um certain individuals advocating for better living conditions and uh, yeah. a better policing I guess I could see there's it's cleaner but it's a great movement it's a great their movement their stores you know that they're more they, they have kept their stores some people stayed and some people moved mm-hmm. um, and sold their stores. Yeah, some um, advanced and some... Di- what I don't like about the whole movement is not the movement itself, but what it shows. Because it's like, now I'm seeing less black culture in terms of... And I don't want to make it a race thing, but it's all, it's always going to be like... It's just a self thing. It's like my own people, I'm not seeing as much as them anymore because of this movement, which is just saying that they're just trying to bring a cleaner atmosphere. Why can't my people have the cleaner atmosphere? Well, I think it's first off have to define gentrification because people think, oh, okay, it's white people um, it's coming into into a neighborhood. Yeah. It's, it's much cheaper. Well, actually, it's not. It's 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 actually class. It's people that makes more money mm-hmm. that could afford the higher rents, and that could be of any race. It so happens that it's majority white yeah. that's coming into. Um, the black <sighs> and, 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 shows and here's here's how we break it down because there's a show on there's there's documentaries on Netflix called how how it works yeah. so shout out to Netflix and one of the things that they showed was um shout the, out to Netflix. what's the <laughs> what's the income gap between blacks and whites obviously um the most obvious thing that caused the the gap and the gap is huge. As in, they said that the average black family makes between thirty five to forty five thousand. The average white family makes between ninety to one hundred and twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge gap. Yeah. And they said one of the reasons why was slavery, obviously. And they said slavery actually equates to money. As in, the slaves back then were were considered property, and if they was to put a value on that property today, it'll be worth thirty three billion dollars. So imagine. Thirty-three billion. So we on, good. On top <laughs> of that though, on top of that, for a long time blacks couldn't buy property. And if they bought property, it would be in low income neighborhoods. Whites were able to buy property and there was something called redlining, where literally on the map they colored some some parts of the map red and said, Okay, this is for black people, the white areas of for white people kind of like a jungle you know separating so at the time right at the time say for example back then in the 1960s 1950s you bought a home for sixty thousand dollars right the house today is worth let's say eight hundred thousand to a million dollars now which means all that equity that's built up in the house over the years is now in your home they said a hundred dollars back then if it was a hundred dollars that was placed in a bank account back in the 1950s 40s, 1930s, mm-hmm. that same hundred dollars would be worth today about years. yeah, about I think three million, three point five million around there. So that's just a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So imagine that sixty flipped to a million, 
then you times that, then you multiply it by inflation. There's black people that work for years and they never get to that amount. Cory Booker said that the way his family was able to build wealth was that they hired a white person to go and purchase the house. <laughs> and on the day that they were supposed to sign the closing, they showed up. And then the person that they had sent to, 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 to act like it was them was really their lawyer. So the real estate agent got upset and started to fight with the lawyer, like like literally <laughs> fight, like fist fight, and, and and he broke a window, and he was like, you're going to mess up my whole entire business, because once a black family move in, all the white people are going to move out, and that's no called white flight. We've seen it happen in Oh, you know, it's crazy. We were talking about that at the gym. Yeah. So then he was like, eventually, legally, they, they had to sell him the house at that time, because the lawyer, obviously... I mean, you already made a, it there. Yeah. yeah. And they used It'll the be a race thing at that point. <laughs> so the lawyer would have sued. It would have been a whole class action lawsuit. It would have been a big thing. That's some extreme so, blackmail. <laughs> so by them buying the house in the in the white in the predominantly white neighborhood, his family was able to build wealth, and after a while, the house built equity, which they was able to pull the money out, and then they were able to make more and more money. Because when the neighborhood is good, you know, exactly. everyone's making money. And then eventually, he became a politician. Now he's a state senator because and of that power move, level. Because of that move that his family did. Because awesome. once you get a house in a white neighborhood, you in white schools, you meet white kids. Connections, connections, connections. And since we, I ain't gonna hold you. Since we've been in Coney Island, if we're gonna speak real talk, like connections <laughs> are way better. Like, <laughs> <laughs> saying Coney Island, business, bro. I call it Coney Island. We're one stop away, bro. All right, it's twenty minutes to Coney Island. I just I one more thing. One, one, one more thing. They were selling subprime mortgages to people of color, so that they were selling them houses that the mortgage started off cheap but would raise later on. The way they were able to hit so many black people at one time, they got the pastors and preachers involved. So then they 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 told the pastors if they bring it to their congregation, they'll give them a little cutback on the side. And then the pastors brought it to their congregation. And you know, black people they mostly unify in churches, but you we don't unify. About that. But we don't unify in churches to build business and equity like the Jews do. We just go there to hang out and socialize. Mm-hmm. We, you know, it's so, like an event, you know. Yeah, it's like an event. <laughs> it's not a networking like yeah. the other races do. It's not. It, and the churches turn into a banking sort of way because exactly. we only have one black bank in New York. In pretty much New York City, there's only one black bank. All the other ones closed. Yeah. And that's Carver's Bank. Yeah. And the banks are where people, the culture or whatever type of people go in, put their money together, invest mm-hmm. in their culture. And keep building. Building funds, yeah. We don't have that. And so that's how you start implementing that, Mm -hmm. you know? We need a lot of money to start a bank. Well, (laughs) not to start a bank. I'm talking about, you said how it starts from the church, right? Mm -hmm. So in the church, all of whatever other race that implement these kind of ideas in their children and into their people, why not just do the same? The Jews do it based on the Torah. The Torah is the first, I think, six books of the Bible of the Old Testament. Their history. Well, they say according to the laws of Moses, because God mm-hmm. gave Moses the law and Moses gave it to the people. Mm-hmm. According to the laws of Moses, you can't, you are not allowed to charge another Jew interest, and that's how they make the most money off of us. Obviously, they have a law for that. We receive we receive credit cards with high interest rates and a. You know, so we get these subprime mortgages, we get these high car loans, we get all these things. They say, oh, you only got to pay $500 a month for this car. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, your APR is like 26, 21%. So boom, boom in your head. You're paying almost 
double for a car that's worth half that, you know? Mm-hmm. And in the Jewish mm-hmm. community, they pool their money, like literally pool their money, like, and they give it to the rabbi. They're a nonprofit organization too. They don't pay tax. That's their whole birthright so, movement. And it's and then they're not married within this government's law. Mm-hmm. So on so the wife could go and get public assistance and the man could own buildings, you know? Mm-hmm. And they live in the same building, so it's whatever. <laughs> so yeah, like one one time I had this conversation with this homeless Jewish guy. He was like, yo, I don't even know what I'm going through all this because the rabbi won't speak to me. The rabbi won't speak to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? At one point, I thought he was crazy. I'm like, yo, what are you talking about? I'm like, the rabbi, man, you don't know about the rabbi? I said, no, explain to me. He said, whenever a Jew need money, they go to the synagogue and they talk to the rabbi. The rabbi gives them money. And I was like, oh, he's like, yeah. Then one day, I was doing Uber, right? And I was driving through Crown Heights. I picked up this Jewish guy. He was a doctor. I picked him up for his practice, and we're driving. Reach a red light. This Jewish guy comes to the window and he's talking, ah, so so, and he's waving a stack of money in my face, and I'm like, okay, so I put the window down, and I go to grab it, and he's like, ah, he's like that. He, he he shoots me off and walks away. So I look at the other guy, I'm like, yo, what just happened? He knocked on my window with a with a, a handful of money. of money, like a stack, bro, like a a, a thick, a, like a thick knot, and I'm like. I'm Was like, he just stunned? And I'm like, he's yelling Jew. at me, and he's, and I'm thinking he's giving me this money, and the guy was like, no, that's how they beg for money. I said, what? He said, yeah, they go into the synagogue with a handful of cash, and they ask for more money. I said, what, what type of backward stuff is this? He said, yeah, but it works. And he said, and when the people in the congregation don't give them money, the, the last person that they see is the rabbi, and the rabbi gives them money. And then they use that money to do all kinds of stuff, like this building that we're in right now. They, they built this building cash. Then a year later, they took out a conventional mortgage on the building and then used that money to finance another <laughs> multiple... Corporate. They recycling their money? Yeah, and now they're into development now. So now they're building buildings instead of buying and selling. And at the end of the day, it's really... Tax-free, interest-free. It's a cultural war. <laughs> interest-free. No. Co- co- they're, co- they're a culture type of people and they stick together and that's... You know what's the biggest, one of the biggest loan companies in America is Quicken Loans. The same people that own Quicken Loans Stadium, the same person that owns the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they're a Jew. And, and LeBron. And, and, and you know what? Even with Quicken Loans mortgages, and he gives mortgages out to people, he doesn't charge his people interest. Mm. You can look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> this is it's just funny. real talk. So... It goes back to my original question. Not, why not implement those same practice in our own community? Instead of having to, like... But you're you know, banking. <laughs> but let's ask the banking guy. What would be the first move, banking guy? Well, my first move is to work for my black bank and get to know my people that are spitting their knowledge and what they got and what we could do for the community. Personally, I really want to start the movement of Back to Africa because of it's just a savings in a way. Like I hate when everyone, when you guys talk about the story, all I'm thinking about is just, it's just them using one area to be all their money, like their source of energy and sense of like this is what we need to stay our type of people. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need our history. Like they going back. I feel like when you were saying, um, oh, why can't we implement that? It's because the Jewish people learn it through history. They learn it from their old. They listen to their old heads. They listen. They go back to their home. 
They see how it is. They learn their ways. We don't have our own way. And I feel like if we go back to Africa, I feel like we can find at least some type of way to look, go back to. And yeah. from what I hear, like you said, you went to Ghana. Yeah. And see, it just makes people smile. But you know what? <laughs> it's like if you can't get there, because it is quite expensive. Yeah. Who says those people that don't, there's, there's no one here that has that knowledge. So you saying how all the Jews mm-hmm. have history. History is education. You know, so it's just having a, and we live in the age of technology and so media. Even if you never, what well, a person could never step foot in Africa and know so much, True. you know, because of the age we live in. Mm-hmm. So it starts off with, and actually this is how it started off with, with, with my, um, uh, me receiving the opportunity to go um, to Ghana, mm-hmm. my college. Uh, predominantly white, Suni Oyanta, mm-hmm. but we had a Latino studies um, department, and they, one of the professors, took their own savings, bought a ticket, went to, you know, uh, to Ghana, um, befriended a couple of people, and brought them down here, mm-hmm. you know, and then to build that relationship, and then, mm-hmm. so down the line, they made it into a program on campus. You know, so it goes back. Starting like a student exchange program. Uh, no, really. Similar, but to get, it was more of like, a, but on like a short-term basis. They went every year for, for a month in mm. January, and it was a great experience. And even this, there have been times and challenges where the school tried to pull funding from that program, but then the students fought mm-hmm. for that, um, that funding and made it away, you know? But it's just having to, like, you know, start off with educating yourself, yeah. making the right connections, and then build off of that. So if, for whatever reason, we can't go to Africa, that doesn't mean we can't learn about it. So it's just True. implementing, like, workshops. True. People volunteering their time. True. Um, people, if there's not a place to actually teach it, there's people that have plenty of homes. There's libraries. You know, libraries has, you know, like, sections where you could actually call like five, ten people, and then you grow from there. And then yeah. soon after, once you keep it going, then there's going to be people that want to be a part of that. And that knowledge is, and the more that knowledge is spreading, um, the more opportunities is provided. And down I the line, you can get that, mm-hmm. you know, African trip. That's know? that's the plan down the line. That's a good idea because the that's how is a good idea. That's how the show started. Because before, when we started in the basement, we didn't have. A studio. We used to reserve the library meeting rooms at the Central Library downtown Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and they got conference rooms that you could block off for like a certain amount of time, and you could set up there, too, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Um, back to what you were saying about they using history. Um, to be honest, and this is kind of like you know controversial. They're using our history, to be honest, because mm-hmm. most of the things, most of the people that they're writing about in the Bible. They were people of, of, of our skin color, you know? True. Um, Abraham was in the land of Canaan, um, which was Mesopotamia, which is modern-day Iraq. And then when there was a famine there, they went to Egypt. And we know Egypt was also called Kemet, and black people lived there, you know? Um, also, um, Ethiopia was where King Selassie I was, was there, and he claimed to be descendant of Queen Sheba. And um, David's son, um, Solomon. 
So all those people are black, including Cleopatra, who they claim is a white woman, and she's not. So, you know, the Bible was, was not initially how we see it today as all these things in one book. It was multiple books written by multiple people over a certain period of time that was placed into one book so that we can read it. And most people, it wasn't written for, like, a regular person to understand, you know. That's why at a certain point it was only one person that read it to the congregation that and that understood it. You know, even in, in the New Testament, when they referred to Paul and they said, look at this Egyptian speaking speaking Greek, what they're really saying is, look at this Negro speaking our language and they're laughing at him, mm -hmm. you know. Even when Jesus went to exile, where was the first place he, he ran to? He ran to Egypt. I'm sure if he did not look like the Egyptians, he wouldn't really fit in. You know, so they give True. you hints of how these people look like, you know. That's why they loved him. <laughs> yeah, so. He was like family, you know. But even in the book of Revelations, they said he, he had skin like, he had hair like wool, skin like bronze, and skin like burnt brass, you know. And then when people see that, they're like, yeah, but it doesn't really that's matter. That's one of the last pages. You know, mm -hmm. and then people say, no, 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 it doesn't really matter. But See, that's the one thing I never liked that, you know. I feel like in, we need like a modern day Bible in the sense of changing the language so the kids can understand because they don't really catch their interest. As a kid myself, it never catch, caught my interest. And I feel like if we could catch them young, it puts them in a better mindset for later. Mm -hmm. You know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, so we have to find a way to get it interesting to them. That way they can understand or at least make like a gospel, a children's book in the sense of those stories. Yeah, or find someone that could break it down yeah. to a science that they can understand it better and mm -hmm. relate it to today's world. Mm -hmm. Like my last sermon, the way I related it to today's world, I gave the example of 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 Jesus be right before the crucifixion. He prayed three times to his father for his father to take the bitter cup away from him, which was his ultimate death. Mm -hmm. And while he... He went to pray, basically, he took his three strongest, his closest friends, his first disciples with him, you know, and which was um, Peter, John, and Andrew. So when they went, so when Jesus went to pray, they fell asleep. And I was like, that's just like the church today, because Peter was supposed to be the rock that, that the church was supposed to be built upon. Peter mm -hmm. was the one that was supposed to take over after Jesus died. Mm -hmm. But yet, when Jesus is close to death, Peter's sleeping. That's just like the church all this stuff going on and the church says and does nothing, mm -hmm. you know? So, and then I use the example of Peter when he did wake up and the people came for Jesus. The first thing he did was grab his swords. He's like, Jesus, he was like, he was like, Lord, I have two swords. Is that's enough to go to war? Mm -hmm. I'm like, Peter's like the friend that be fronting like they didn't want to go to war and they did the first ones to pull out guns instead of two swords. If it was 2019, he would pull out two guns. Like, if it's yeah. they want the war, it's they'll get. That's but true. Then, Peter cuts off the guy's ears right after he cuts it off. Christ heals him. He's like, if you if you live by the sword, then you die by the sword. And that's a lot of us. Like, we think this battle was physical, and it was never physical. It was a mental and spiritual war. But mm. if you're just reading that, you're like, huh? Like, yeah, yeah, he cuts off this guy's ear, and then he dies. Like, wow. But if you really break down the principles, and when Jesus thought that his three best friends was with him, and, and Peter, the one that said, yo, I'm ready to die for you, bro. I'm ready to die for you. He was the first one to say, and Jesus was like, chill, you capping, because before the rooster crows three times, you were the 
He said, but before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. He was like, yo, by morning time, you'll, you'll been say, I don't know you. He said, nah, I'm ready to die for you. And that's happened to all of us where we have friends like, yeah, I got your back, bro. And then when you turn around, they're not there. Mm-hmm. When you know, the I, moment comes. Yeah, I, I know that happened to me. I remember one time I was about to fight these guys. I was about to go to war. And we had even numbers. I turned around. My friends ran. And when I was like, where did y'all go? They said, oh, oh you went to the store. <laughs> and I got jumped. <laughs> so, you know, like, this, is, this is real talk. <laughs> so you could apply it to everyday life if you know how to do it. You're right. You know, if you're reading it like, yo, these people are people that live a long time ago and it has nothing to do with me that's a lie there's nothing new under the sun the the earth is round right so anything that goes back comes right back around so that's actually what nipsey was saying too nipsey was a wise guy in the sense of um like real wisdom and he was saying that you know the energy just goes around he's like so if you going through a lot of negativity it's kind of like you're just you need to change your energy your own energy because he's like, the energy you put out is what comes back to you. Exactly. That's a fact. <laughs> and even when he was about to die, it's almost like Christ. Because when the guy, like, stood over him was, and was about to shoot him in the head, he said, I, you got me. Mm-hmm. And the guy killed him. And he was immortalized after that. He, he became a legend, you know. They, they immortalized Nipsey. Now everyone knows his name. Even before, like, he became more popular in death than he was during life. That is actually very true. Yeah. And that's the same thing that happened to Biggie. Biggie was the same way. Biggie was already popular before that, but yeah. it went from like one million an album, and he sold like billions. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was flying over to Cali mm-hmm. after the death of Nipsey, and they sold out his store, and he, he, he and, and orders were backed up. I remember I flew out to Cali while he was still alive, trying to meet him, you know. And when I heard that he died, I looked at my phone. Because they sent the request through iPhone, through everybody. I'm like, wow. And I cried. Like, it hurt, you know? I was like, damn. Because one, yeah, I didn't get to... Yeah, <laughs> one, I didn't get to meet him. Bro, a, a lot of stuff that I did, a lot of stuff I'm doing right now, I was influenced by him. Oh, and and that's real talk, you know? So to see one of my, my mentors or one of my idols, you know, go away without me meeting them in the flesh, like, that hurt to me, you know? Like, I felt, I felt that pain. And then I looked at that as myself. Like, wow, I, I'm doing a lot of the, the similar things that he's doing. Like, how do they feel about me? You understand? I, I hear you on that. So, and you know. It's like the church people in the sense of sometimes some people want to stay quiet because of that. You know, Nipsey was putting himself out there. And I ain't going to hold you. Sometimes I think that of this show in the sense of we're just putting ourselves out there. But, like, if it's a war we got to do, it's a war. Like, my dad is actually a one of those um, prostate cancer survivors. So he actually has a video that I've been meaning to put out, but in a sense of like knowing what Nipsey was doing in terms of trying to let people know that, you know, the cancer is not really a death sentence or so on and so forth. There's people who survived it. I think, um, what was it, Nipsey got grandfather? No, it was Dr. Sabi. Dr. Sabi, he yeah. passed away for the same reasons. and Yeah, he cured AIDS, and he actually went before the Supreme Court and defended and proved and won that he cured AIDS, but they don't put that publicly. Of course, it's not something that's going to go viral like Trump hair falling off or something, you know. <laughs> like, But the same thing is like, you know, spitting that knowledge. I ain't going to hold you. I had to see Fab the other day. He was in um, Manhattan. And I went there with my fiance, and 
we was close up to the point where you know it's like one, two, I'll say like two rows of people because it's just he was at like a regular bar in the sense of one of those club bars. Mm-hmm. He was just by the DJ booth, so everyone could just walk up and see him. And it wasn't expensive. It was like under fifty. It was like fifty dollars, under fifty dollars for per person. Yeah. And seeing him that close, that's like my idol, bro. Yeah, you know, from there's yeah. no competition. The yeah. soul tape, you know. Summertime shoot that's his new one and I always looked at Fab like, you know, he's he's like he got so much knowledge but then he's not he never puts himself fully out there. Like Jay Z would, I'll say. Yeah. But most people say it's because Fab is lazy. I I used to think that. I used to spaz out, but in the sense of like when you was talking about the church thing, it kinda made sense because it's like it's about how long you're gonna keep leading, you know. Exactly. A lot of people like they got that knowledge and then Poof, you know, yeah. So I feel like he continues that secret message thing where his metaphors is his his way of entertaining. But remember, Jeremiah, the prophet, he came on the show. Our prophet came on the show and prophesied. And on the drive home, he said something very deep that will stick with me for a long time. He said that if he was to think one of the greatest thoughts in the world but kept it to himself and never said it out loud, would that be a great thought that would be received by the people if no one was there to hear it? It's almost like if a tree falls down in the woods and no one is there to witness it, does the tree really fall? So or does it exist? So therefore, <laughs> if, if, if I'm wise beyond measure, but yet I never spread my wisdom to the people, then how wise am I? I'm foolish, because once I die, that wisdom is gone. And that's why my favorite rappers, still at the end of the day, going to be Jay-Z in terms of the best, because... I gotta give him credit. He's brave. <laughs> yeah. He's very brave. Like he, I mean, in the beginning he wasn't. You could say in the beginning he was doing what he was doing, selling his lavish life. But his last album, the four four four, I found was kind of like the opposite. His first tape is like kill Jay Z. You know, yeah. kill that image of myself. Kill his ego. Yeah, he's like, you got a daughter. You gotta get softer. Like he, st- <laughs> he started revealing his intelligence he's like you know i'm just trying to give you billion dollar game for 9.99 like <laughs> he's like you're buying all this other stuff he's like nah y'all caught in a tr- there's that song on moonlight he's like it's like y'all caught in a trance it's like la 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 y'all just caught up with he's like oh y'all sound the same i can't even understand who's different and <laughs> even when we win they still say that we lose yeah family feud another song where he's talking about um you know, we all lose when the family feuds. So when we keep competing with each other, he was like, I'd rather buy Ciroc than buy somebody else drink. Y'all, y'all crazy. Y'all, that's what he's saying on the track. He's like, why y'all not supporting y'all own people? No. <laughs> he's just, but do you get the line, the way he's talking about Moonlight, even when we win, they say that we lose? Yeah, like the song, but that was about the movie. Yeah, yeah, it was about the movies at the, I think it was the Academy Awards or the Emmys, mm-hmm. where they won, but the people that was presenting the awards said, said that they lost him. Like, wait, yeah. oh, we, we meant to say Moonlight, and he's <laughs> like, even when we win, they say that we lose. Yeah. They say that whoever, whoever, they, they, they claim that whoever wins rewrites history according to their recollection of the way things went. But they said, why, if I won, why would I change the things in the past that sounds like some something that a loser would do mm-hmm. explain that further okay it, if i was to punch you in the face today right Ouch. 
or you was to punch <laughs> me in the face. <laughs> go on, go on. Okay, if you I were to punch it. me in my face and I knocked out, right? Yeah. And then now I'm in a coma. Now, now you going around like, yeah, I knocked Ricard out, you know, Ricard. But that's not the first time he got knocked out. He's been getting knocked out his whole entire life. <laughs> yeah, I just knocked him out this, this one last time, and everybody know about me. Yeah, so everything he's doing, I'm going to do now. So everything that he's done, he only did it because of me. Why? Why do you think I was able to knock him out? Because I was showing him the you whole time. You pretty much take, like, Ricard's legacy. Exactly. Exactly. There's the biggest museum in the world that's, in, I believe, France, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think that's the Metropolitan. Then there's another one that's in Germany. Then there's another one in England. And there's another one in England, Baby or Bastard Child, which is America. Mm -hmm. In those museums, there's a lot of artifacts, right? We all know what continent most of those artifacts come from. Do you want to say it or no? Africa. Okay. So... <laughs> We got all the goods, man. How man. did they get from <laughs> Africa to in those museums? A perfect example is in Black Panther when the guy comes, when Killmonger oh, goes into the museum, very and then movie. he's like, "Oh, that's is nice," and they're like, "Yeah, it's from some so, it's from such so and so." Like, no, it's not. It's from so and so. She's like, "How how do you know it's because he stole it from my ancestors?" Every time there's war or every time there's conflict within the place, they rob the place and they steal stuff. When they steal stuff, they put it up for display so the world can see what they stole. And they call those places museums. Mm. And then they charge other people to come there and, and look at them. <laughs> and they keep the money within you don't themselves. Think it's like, okay, Sometimes they rent stuff out, yeah. But most of the time it's stuff they that's the. rent, but they would make prototypes and other. Like the original they'll piece would stay within its original place. They'll clone and then it. And clone it for other places. And tell them that it's real. Sometimes. But <laughs> even after the war in Iraq. They stole a lot of they stole a lot of ancient artifacts from Iraq, and Iraq is asking for them back right now. Even the crown jewels that are in England, a lot of those jewels were stolen from other countries, and it's other countries that's making claims to those jewels that's asking for them back. Mm -hmm. And do you think any of them are getting those things back? Nope. You gotta catch me if you can. That's what they think. <laughs> what you think, Patrice? It sounds like you want to say something. <laughs> No, because I'm like I'm making a connection of all the um the the points you're you're making, and it sounds like okay if you have an idea or have of any sort, whether it's a product or a service, you know it's gonna be stolen, you know some way or another. You're good, you know, pretty you're much. You're going, yeah, yeah. it's gonna be taken, it's or it's gonna be copied and like music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's going to uh, like we were talking about earlier. Who has all the talent? Now, who runs all the labels? <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't gonna say but he's a Jew. To fix that, you know? <laughs> what I think is, you have an idea, don't waste, you know, waste time talking about it. Make sure you get it started. Say no you know? more. Patent or, and don't sell out, right? <laughs> I wanted to ask, just, are you engaged or married? Or? I'm getting out. I'm, I'm married. Oh, okay. Two rings on him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a signal to all the people watching. <laughs> yeah. Husband name is Jeff. I met him a couple yeah. times. He's cool. And you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he makes really good food. He cooks good. Good yeah. job, Jeff. <laughs> or like, if not started. Wait, he, or what do so he make? I'm hungry now. Okay. A lot of different things. He can make. <laughs> he can make oxtails. 
Because Jeff. No, I'm the, the one that makes the oxtail. Okay, oh, sorry. Oh. sorry. You make the He's oxtail. the one that makes the Italian. That's, I'm the one that makes the Caribbean dishes. That's the He's best. the one that makes the Italian dishes. Yeah. Oh, and pasta. Wait, carbonari. Does he make that? got to make that for me. <laughs> I went to Rome last year and that was that was a good experience. I love pasta, ice cream, soups. That's just me right there. <laughs> but like just having a um yeah, get it started or you know, just you get it's just having to get it started and all mm-hmm. that. And this t- especially in those times there's no way. I think it was the reason why it was so easy to take it was because there was no records of it. Yeah. Now, nowadays in the world of technology, you could claim right. everything. Um, there's patents, or you know, get it started. And there's wait, there's so much different ways to like have you record ever, everything. Nowadays. Have you ever heard of when they wanted to steal certain things, they burned down the patent offices? Because a lot of patents back in the days were held at post offices, and they would just burn them down. I mean, they burned down a whole town, Black yeah, Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. When it's on the internet, that's there forever. True. I mean, I'm still waiting on my patent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, no, I trademarked the logo. I'm still waiting on my patent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm literally still waiting on my patent. It was like, they just it was a joke. They trying to hold me back. <laughs> they trying to hold me back. Man. I'm trying I to get that to you. Sounds like yeah, these are good things to like remember, but use this as like motivation of like, hey, don't. This is what we 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 you know went through to get things started or to keep things going. So it's just having to learn. Hey, now is our time. I think this age, and I you probably got heard this, but this age is the best age of all. You know. Com- compared to other decades yeah. and centuries. Black entrepreneurs. Shout to, out to the black to, entrepreneurs. Yeah, to, to, to get it started. Yeah. You know, we have so many resources. The age of Aquarius and the age of information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to, and, you know, yeah. But the biggest <laughs> platforms that we use, we don't own them, though. We, the biggest platforms that we use, that we post information on, we don't own them. As in, we don't own Google, we don't own Facebook, we don't own YouTube. Who's the people that start, started had to look at the first people that actually got it started. Yeah, but the thing that's been going... You could be an owner. There's stock. Yeah, Holy there's stock. cow. But not a majority owner, because I don't think we have enough money to buy it. A majority share of Google or Facebook, that's going to be a lot. And there's nah. people that donate these shares, too. True. You know? True. So, but not a controlling share. That's 51%. <laughs> I mean, of course I not. Nowadays, not I don't even think there's one, one person that controls. I guess it depends, like, if you're, like... That's true. Over There's never Facebook yeah, Facebook. and whatnot. No, but it's still a that, team. It's still you know? a team. But yeah. all everywhere else, depending on how much you could put in, is the amount of share. People, sh- it's not permanent, you know. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, um, something that people should like think of. Uh, it's not permanent. It's gonna always be an opportunity to get a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. It's, it really depends on how much you want it, you know, and. There's different ways to get it. If you don't have the actual funds to pay for it, there's always someone you know that knows someone that can invest in you in getting that. But here's the thing, though, right? And we can speak realistically. If this was a race, <laughs> there's people that's started at least 200 years ahead of us. And they said the only way that we could really catch up is if we got a boost, which is the reparations. And a lot of people are arguing should people of color get reparations or not 
because that's the only way we're going to close that gap of I want my 40,000 40 to 100,000 cuz that's a that's a $60,000 gap, you know? So some people were saying it would only make sense to give us reparations. Then other people were like reparations in what form and how much should we give them if we're giving them cash? Okay, so all right, that's, that's definitely a whole other conversation. But <laughs> no, I'm asking well, you to yeah. close out. Like, no, what? Close out. I think it goes back to how much of that. Like, I think that's why we haven't gotten it because no one, there's no actual set number, and that, and I feel like somebody needs to pick a somebody number. Somebody has to pick a number, and is it ever going to be enough? And that you means know? that that's why you implement things now, like programs to, you know, there's Obamacare, there's there's um, programs like. For educational programs for mm-hmm. people of color. There's um, black entrepreneurship programs. It's like not saying that oh, just make things better, but for now, it helps. Take advantage of what's being you know what's the strategies now, now whatever you know. Yeah. yeah, there's things available, but I think there's I don't think there's gonna ever be a number. There's no there's never gonna be a set number to refer uh, you know to to um for anyone. Uh, uh, um, to like agree to, you know. What but you were saying is that we would need someone to request amount. As in, I feel like we would need a leader, like someone at the forefront that would go before, because this would have to be something that they would have to either go before the Supreme Court yeah. or before the United Nations. Yeah. And eventually, basically, it's gonna have to be a lawsuit. It's, it, it's yeah. gonna have to be a lawsuit, and it's in order have to go to war, because law is the war. Pretty and much. in order for it to be a lawsuit, we must establish ourselves as an individual entity within the United States, similar to what the Native Americans did. Because not just anyone yeah. could go. But with I think there. that's where we're like struggling to actually be that united. Uh, why do we need? First of all, why we do we have to like decide on one person when it could just be a group of people? Yes, like it's easier t- to you know have that one voice. Um, but I think it actually starts with that group of people of, you know, support your 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 black uh, nonprofits. Your support your your programs. Support, and I think once you have that unity, that's where okay. Now you're planting that seed of that. That's why other races do so well because mm. they have that unity. They have know? something called Eidos, the ancient descendants of slaves. They're the ones that's pushing that movement um the reparation movements but then there's some people that say that okay um so what about people from the west indies they were slaves what about yeah. these people what about those it's people it's going to be an ongoing so it sounds like and i think that's why it hasn't happened we yet. all it's the same people ongoing, i don't like the divided yeah, part yeah there's the, that division and you know what there are people that are even our own divide, create that division that's I, why you need I, to take away who cares if you're jamaican haitian yeah. or whatever we're one people i'm sure there's different kind of the jewish world of course there's different kind of different classes, types of families that's what they call it yeah by names or whatever the yeah. case is but they all move as one yes. and i think that's where we start in you know start small and build from that like start implementing the seeds uh, plant that seeds in our young in mm-hmm. our youths so we could actually you know yeah. how do you keep everyone together it's usually one person that's like connect that in a way like the president the president speaks for all because it makes it easier in terms of you get the mindset of that group of people well who's who he has the answer to somebody of course too, yeah you know? yeah so even though he's the actual image i don't even think i don't i 
don't even think the president himself actually speaks to the whole country. Mm-hmm. You know, because no. he has to report to somebody. But he is that image. So if you're from another country, you're going to look at that person. Yeah, they usually call that the... have to represent yeah. for the whole country. The president is basically you know? the CEO for the, for the country because the country basically is a company, you know? Yeah. And you know he literally has his his cabinet. He has his secretary. He has his treasury. Yeah. He's the he's the president, vice president, just like CEO, co CEO, or whatever you want to call it. And I'm pretty sure there's a board of directors that no one gets to see. That's just what it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about us as in black people. We we're not on a unified front. I'm sure that the Hasidic Jews or the Orthodox Jews they have their leader within their community that they all answer to. We don't have a leader. Like some people say, maybe it's Farrakhan. Some people say maybe it's Jay Z, or some people might say, oh, it was Obama, or maybe it's Cory Booker. Who knows? You need a you face, know? cause you need, cause at the end of the day, it's kind of like what you said. There's somebody he's answering to, and it's like 15 people actually. They have the whole table, mm-hmm. yeah. so it's a group of people, like you said, that started it. And, yeah, and they choose, but they has to be a face, to and I don't think we have a face, cause the face is usually the scapegoat, kind of like the enemy that everyone could target when things are going bad. And they got to be willing to die for Exactly. This. Like, kind of like how the president is willing to take all the hits from everybody. In the sense of Malcolm X, Martha Luther King, Nipsey, in the sense of you're speaking for a group of people. Yeah. And, that, it, and it all started with one person gathering that group of people, uniting that group of people. Unifying. You know? That's why we need to throw these gala events. We would have to... We would <laughs> have to... change that you want to see in the world. Yeah, of course. I was going to close out That's with... That, no, no, from the Biggie movie. <laughs> <laughs> Can't change we, the world unless we change, change ourselves. <laughs> we would have to sue America and Supreme Court. Then we would have to sue the world and, uh, and the United Nations Court. We're going to have to cut and, out some parts in this episode. And for some people, that, that was... <laughs> Real, realistically, and for yeah. some people that that said that never happened before, then you got to research World War One and World War Two because after that, there was a League of Nations that sat down in court and they sued um, Germany to pay back the Jews for That's the Holocaust. And even the Japanese, they received a sorry from from Obama. He went over there and said sorry for dropping this bomb on you guys mm-hmm. during Hiroshima. You know, mm-hmm. and respect. Too. Yeah, it was, it was out of respect. He, he went to say sorry. So we see all these people getting reparations, but the black man. Why? Because they owe us so much. And no one really wants to cut that check. And nobody wants to stand up and ask for that much because, you know, it puts such a big target on your back from entire culture. <laughs> and their response is, if we give all these black people money, they probably won't know what to do with it. They're probably going to do drugs and go crazy. Man, that's their way of looking at it, because they know our crime rate is so bad. But we can say, because of crimes... we only crime have because we don't have money. Exactly. <laughs> We're having crime because of no money. You guys have money, and they all have less crime. It's just, <laughs> that's just proof right there. Like, just Different colors, I guess. Because if you put somebody in the jungle, you know, and in terms of he got to eat to survive. You kill they see killed. one apple, they're going to fight. Like, that's it. Kill or be killed. Yeah. But the wealth disparity is so bad, man. $60,000, that's like the salary of two people, if you look at it. Yeah. There was a point where people was living off for 30000 a year, you know? And and the average people in Staten Island make 70000 a year. Manhattan, 69000 And you go to these places, you don't see our faces. And now Brooklyn is going to increase, but it's not going to be our faces because we don't got money. We can't keep up in this battle because they haven't paid us back. They haven't gave us a fair chance. 
to start the race. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. So to get anything, to, to take that first step, you think would need money? To start a company, you need money. And I mean, not just in terms of individually. I'm thinking like, collectively. Yeah. So what? We would have our own individual country? We would we start need, a country? We need, at least give us the money first. And I mean, we need to have an area that is our area. I think it starts with education. You mm-hmm. you know we have a history of when we do get money, mm-hmm. we kind of give it back splurge. to them. <laughs> I feel like we you give know? it right back to them. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Exactly. Instead of investing in ourselves. Yeah. DJ DJ Vlad said something. He was like how um that black people should get reparations in the form of free education, and then they said, why why would you that say that? I would say if anything over money. If I have to choose education over money, I would say education. But. Because it's education, is the, that's what's going to build your money. Mm-hmm. You know? Build, um, in yeah, terms of grow your money. T- teaching how to save, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. They, don't save, they, don't, they don't teach that at all. You ain't lying. That's why I even went into yeah. banking. Ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. They don't teach that in school, so it would make no sense to get sure. reparations in the form of a college education. Yeah. Because Le- you, there's a lot of life skills that you don't learn in college. Yeah, and unless you, I think my reason of learning how to, you know, finance learn how to learn about financing and managing my own money is because I want to buy a house. You know, there's that motivation. You have a different interest. You know, like at first we started with, hey, we want to buy a house and get like a picket fence. But I'm like, wait, I don't need to do that right away. I could get a multifamily, get rent. And then live off of that. Yeah, you woke, sister. Off of that. <laughs> yeah, residual income. And then have my houses by my house. Yeah. Because it's not going to be a loan after a while. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, you're going to pull out the equity. Still, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just spoke to my friend at the gym, um, Kimari. He bought property in Baltimore. So yeah, he's it's cheap out there. Yeah, like 35000 bro. I knew a girl that bought property out in Baltimore when I was. 19 years old. Her and her cousin were already doing that. At what, 19. What, where was she from? She was from East New York. Mm-hmm. And she was, um, she, she, we, I met her at Babies R Us. Then she left to go work at Starbucks, you know. Um, and then she used to always tell, tell me about this house over the years. Like, she used to always tell me about it. And then, you know, later on in life, we started, I guess, quote unquote, dating. <laughs> and then she was telling me more about the and intricate it gets dirty. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and then she was telling me more about the intricate details about how she had to hire like a property manager and things was always breaking, but yeah, it's cheap out did. there and blah yeah. blah. And then she used to break it down to me, and I was like, wow. And then after that, I would just get the knowledge from my dad because you know my dad taught me how to do it from scratch. So you know, like. But but that's game that I receive for free. You understand? Like now nowadays. And that's another problem. We could we could talk all day because yeah. that's father issues yeah. within the black community. Yeah. Like exactly. <laughs> the other day, I went with my wife to one of these real estate seminars in in Brownsville, ironically, and the lady was the lady was talking, 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 and all, and all the things she was talking about when she would ask the questions, I'll give her detailed answers and I'll tell her. And then after a while, she looked annoyed, and then she gave it. She was giving people basic basic knowledge. And then at the end, she was like, yeah, so if you want to learn how to flip houses and how to get money, there's this program starting at $500. Then there's a $2,000. Then there's a $7,000 program. She's and then so I was like, and I was like, wow. And then she got upset at me. After she, she, 
she was done the class like how you know all of this do you own a company or something i started laughing i said yeah i actually do own a real estate and investment company she looked at me like what i said yeah she's like oh you have an llc i said yeah for a whole year now freedom the other day was talking about how you went into the um the area and how as soon as they found out you have that type of knowledge it's kind of like a whole different behavior yeah it's like they don't they're like what and they whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa they start treating you better or in sense of more respectful and either better or worse true this lady felt threatened and she was like and she made a comment like okay um you know next time if you know a lot about um real estate then you don't gotta come to these classes and try and embarrass you messing up you messing up her hustle man yeah <laughs> i'm like yo like wow. she's selling classes so right? yeah, <laughs> if you have to pay for it then it's probably not worth getting exactly You're right because that's a bad that's why non-for-profits is better because in the sense of you know it's for the people like these right. people trying, she trying to put money in her pocket. Exactly. Like, what you doing here? Get out! Exactly. <laughs> and then when we asked to show us the houses that she bought or the houses that they own, she was talking about this other guy that had his houses, you know? And I was like, you know what? Like, I feel like I'm just wasting my time. It's and a then, vibe. Yeah, you know? It's a vibe. You knew she was, she was probably didn't even have that. Everybody <laughs> catches up on their own time. Like, I'm happy that, you know, my wife is starting to learn it. But I remember when I was starting the company, I... <laughs> I remember when I was starting these two companies, like the Real World Reality and the Real World Ministries Incorporated. Like she didn't really understand. And I was like, "All right, like you got to put it on paper for people to take you legitimately in the first place." And she was like, "Huh?" And I had a book this thick about my companies, and she was like, "And she was like, you own the companies?" I said, "Yeah." She was like, "She's like, stop playing with cars. You always think you know everything." I said, "Okay, cool." And I said, "Go." Go look in the bookshelf. You'll see a book with my company's name on it and the company stamp. She was like, oh, so, so what's this? I said, it's a real estate investment company. She was like, really? You own a real estate and investment company? How do you own real estate and investment? I said, well, I've been banking with Chase for the last 10 years. And <laughs> so, if you look at my financial <laughs> statements, so, and they offer me loans, so I might as well go and do an LLC. And then I started a non-for-profit. And while going to non-for-profit meetings, I actually met the lady that owns the publications that does the LLCs. She's the one that's giving us the award next year. <laughs> and so. she's like, what? And she's like, what do you be doing? I said, I don't know. I just talk and people listen. Yeah, when you just, it starts with a mindset. And yeah. like she says, it starts with the And movement. almost everything we said we was going to do, we did. I know. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I guess, guys, that closes out 2019. It's been a great year. I um, think we gave them an extra time and everything. Yeah, we did, you know. <laughs> we went about an hour. <laughs> but shout out to everybody that's been supporting throughout the year. Shout out to everyone that has helped us to get this far. Shout out to everybody that kept this in, in your prayers. The goal is still to raise a million dollars. You know, we've raised a couple thousand over the years, but, you know, we're still going for a... Matter of fact, we're not going for a million anymore. We're going for a hundred million, you know. Because if we there go for a hundred million, we can get one million, you know. <laughs> so... We're gonna we're gonna do the change, you know. And this is real life happening in real time. We are real people that you mm -hmm. know that represents the real word. And we're not trying to sell you some. No, we're not fake trying to facade, sell you know? sell you anything. We're just trying to give you hope, reason, understanding. You know, the same. Give you young guys some game. <laughs> we're trying to crack the matrix so that we no longer live in their reality, but we create the new reality, which depicts our people in a more positive light. Kings and queens. It's almost like the mm. light that we gave the people in Brownsville, right? Something that they never seen happen. That and was now they could believe it could happen. You that know? was produced by people that look like them. Mm -hmm. So there you go, people. This is the real world. You can invest in it, in it if you like. 
is www.therealwordministriesinc. That's www.therealwordministriesinc.org. You can see everything that we've done, everything that we will do, and we'll do even more with your help. So we close out with a prayer. Anyone wants to do it or? Patrice is the new guest. She has to do it. Oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. I mean, you're, you're talking to a praying. stranger. You're talking to your, your guy upstairs. You know? Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, okay. man. That's <laughs> <laughs> the last prayer for the year. Moment yes. of silence. Patrice. Well, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, God, for um, looking over us, having given us a great year. Um, I know that you're going to bless us with a great start of the new com- um, upcoming year. Um, and continue to bless us. Bless this agency. Uh, bless the people that watch. It's a part of our team. Those that's, you know, future followers and all. <laughs> Amen. Um, and thank you, Anami. Amen, amen. amen. <laughs> so shout out to everybody that watched us tonight. Shout out to everybody that's been supporting. Um, shout out to Andrew John and shout out to Eric Jean Baptiste. <laughs> um, Eric, we need to get you something, man. Real talk, like <laughs> we need to send Eric Jean Baptiste. We we have to send you a t-shirt or a, or a hoodie. Hit me up, Eric. Let let me we know your get size. Him a hoodie. We can get him a hoodie. Yeah, we're gonna get. We're gonna send you a hoodie, man. No, you know, we still Brooklyn. We gotta get hoodies, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> we're gonna send you a hoodie, brother, because you've been you've been here with us since day one, and we gotta respect that. <laughs> like we Facts. like you're highly appreciated. You know, it's probably other people that lay in the cut that watch every episode, but you you make it known that you are our number one fan. So shout out to you, Eric Jean Baptiste. Um, I'm going to convention um, the third Sabbath, so I'll, I'll so we'll finally get to meet in person, hopefully, God willing. Um, so I'll see you there, and you know, see you guys in 2020. Patrice for coming through. See you guys next year. Happy New Year. Love, peace. Happy holidays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>